What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Run Your Mouth Podcast. We're doing it. Only 20 minutes late. Had to reset up my uh, my living room. You know why? I've become a full-grown adult, everybody. Despite my best efforts to just Peter Pan life, have zero responsibilities, and, uh, you know, just to stay as youthful as possible, uh, I actually I had a birthday over the weekend, turned 35, uh, and now this is it. I, I don't feel like there's going to be any more development from here. So th- what you see is what you get. I'm a, I'm a fully formed adult male. And, uh, yeah, here's, here's what I, you know, I was trying to take stock of some of the things that I accomplished, uh, with my life. And, uh, here's something I'm really, really good at and it's doing nothing, which is what I did this past weekend. Cause like, usually when I do nothing, like I feel guilty about it. Cause I'm like, dude, you should be doing something. But I was like, Hey man, it's your birthday and let's just do nothing. And I'm really good at doing nothing. I sat on this very couch. I used the projector that I usually did do. I watched, uh, Beavis and Butthead. I watched all sorts of dumb shit, and I ate Yo Deltas, and I had the best fucking time. That's why I'm going to open up a retirement uh, clinic for people that have spent their whole lives doing something, that they were constantly productive, and they never took the time to learn how to do nothing, because that's a skill. Y- y- if you think you're just going to get to age 65, and all of a sudden, you're going to be able to enjoy doing nothing if you didn't spend time earlier in life investing into the process of doing nothing, y- if you didn't take the time to actually sit on your couch when you had the energy to really learn how to do nothing, you all of a sudden get to age 80, and you're retired, and they put you in some chair where you're shitting into a bag just trying to watch Turner Classic Movies. You don't know how to do, you don't know how to enjoy yourself. So if if you've got loved ones out there uh, nearing retirement age who have been like busybodies their whole life and like they're not good at doing nothing, uh, refer them to me. That's going to be my next business. Once uh, once they they formally take uh, the Run Your Mouth Enterprises completely down from uh, the internet, uh, you can find me uh, basically fleecing old people for money, uh, by pretending that I can teach them how to sit in chairs better. It's, it's going to work out. Uh, what else? Looking forward to summer porch tour. This is a big thing. Guys, summer porch tour. Some of you have already emailed me and I haven't responded yet. You know why? Because I was doing nothing. All right. And, and, and even responding to your emails would be doing something. Now I'm waiting, uh, basically next week, probably next weekend. I'll take a whole bunch of Adderall. I'll respond to all those emails, and we're gonna we're gonna set up some report store because I'm looking forward to to being outside. I think that's gonna be my new thing. I think I'm done drinking with bar in bars because I went out at one point. There was like this uh, bar by the beach. I was decided to have myself a beer, and then the bar sucked. They charged me like ten bucks for a beer. Couldn't even look at the water. I ended up just street drinking at the beach, and that was the better way to do it. So you know, hey, hey, guys. You got to start saving your currency by spending it on physical assets that once they go to uh, central bank digital currencies. And so I advise I'm going to go back to what I did when I was like 16 and well, 16, and 17. I had a fake ID and I did drink in bars. And that was really fun at that time because it was a thrill being a kid drinking in New York City bars. But you know what else I did? A lot of times I just walked around the city and I had street beers. And I think I'm going to get back to that. Forget the bar. They're not that classy. It's not that classy drinking in a bar. They're playing music you don't like. You get shoved in with people you don't want to talk to. All the women are on their dating apps. They don't want you to hit on them in person anyways. When was the last time you actually had a good... I'm done with bars. I'm going back to street beers. Join me. Summer porch store. Street beer revolution. Spend more time outdoors drinking without playing inflated beer prices so that you can keep more of your money. Put it into physical assets that the government can't take from you when they go to the central back digital currencies. Uh, and other than that, that that's all the reflections I have of becoming a full fledged adult. We don't even need to do an episode anymore. I feel like the amount of wisdom that I just relayed on the audience, uh, from 
all my years on planet Earth. That's that's about as good as it gets. Quit drinking at bars, buy yourself a flask, walk around, enjoy some street beers, and invest in doing nothing now. You got to throw yourself into it completely. Even if like you're working productively at your job, take a couple weekends a year at least to just sit on the couch and do absolutely nothing because you don't want to hit an age where nothing's all you can do and you didn't take some time to get good at it. All right, let's get into the news because there are quite a bit of topics uh, for us to discuss. This was a busy weekend and uh, this is going to be a dense episode. I promise you guys there's a lot going on here. So here today's topics as a black man doesn't Clarence Thomas deserve whatever white people will give him. Do you believe the racism of all these leftist media outlets attacking Clarence Thomas for what being on boats? Are you saying that as a black man he shouldn't be on boats? Are you trying to say that as a black man he shouldn't be flying in private flights? Are you saying that he doesn't deserve night? Are you saying that there's no white billionaires out there that might actually just enjoy his company? Look, can I just tell you guys all something about friendship? Uh, you probably have solidified a couple friends in your life that you grew up with as kids. But let me tell you something about friendship. Most of those friends that you made as kids, they had some toys you wanted. Let's be honest. Like, I actually have some good, wholesome friends from back in the day. But think about, like, the kids that, like, somehow creeped into your social circle. They usually, they got some bike. They got an Xbox you didn't have. They had something over at their house that you're like, you know what? I'm going to go hang out with that kid. And then sometimes you realize you actually liked the kid and it wasn't just the stuff. But for the most part, the thing that started the relationship, sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, it was the stuff. And it's no different as an adult. You, you want to make friends, you got to go get yourself a bolt, boat. You got to go get yourself a nice jet. You got to show up with nice cigars. You got to pick up a bar tab. You got to have a vagina. There are things that you got to have. You got to, you got to provide value. All of life is transactional. I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you. It's all transactional. It's all about providing value, which is, you know, as much as you got to do nothing to rejuvenate your, your, uh, your spirits, and because at some point in time you're going to be retired and you're going to have no choice but to do nothing, you also got to have something of value so that people will actually like you. And so the idea that, you know, you're a Supreme Court judge, so people want to hang out with you, they're going to pick your brain. You're clearly a smart guy. You got status. Who are you going to hang out with? You're the, you're, you're the popular kid on the Supreme Court. You're going to hang out with the billionaire dude who has similar values to, to you, likes talking to your wife about overthrowing the government and how Donald Trump was cheated out of election, pay for some, from, for some nice flights. Are you telling me that the liberal justices don't have billionaire friends who are taking them on flights? What's wrong with those people that even though they got all that high status, they can't get themselves free vacations? And well, what about the Bidens? Are we going to look into the Bidens vacations? Are we going to look into the flights that these people are taking? So I, I just I want to be the one person calling out leftist media for uh, their racistness that they seem to be hyper-focused on Clarence Thomas and the planes that they're on. For some reason, they feel like he doesn't deserve to be on planes. All right, what do we got next? With Jane Jay spending $9 billion on talc injuries, will they have money left for the vaccine? Uh, we're, we're not going to, you know, no, no more comment on that. But YouTube, it's, uh, it's just nonsense. That's not even a real topic. All right, keep going. Three years after the Afghanistan withdrawal, the White House finally did a study and determined it was Trump's fault. What's the timetable on other issues being formally blamed on Trump? Isn't that great? You know, they, they really did the responsible thing. They sat down and they said, all right, they, we made some blunders here. You know, uh, clearly we needed to leave. We spent too much money there and we had to get all the resources freed up so that we could start the Ukraine war thing and have an even worse disaster. And so, you know, we, we didn't have time to plan things out. We were going full-fledged Ukraine. We were going to have to free up the resources, get everybody out of there and pretend like, oh, look at how good we are at ending wars. Yeah, yeah, sure. Anyways, but hey, so they, they, but they sat down and they realized it was a little hasty. 
They realized that people were falling from jets. They realized that the government, you know, toppled over. And while we're crying about that, the women in Iran now being forced to wear hijabs and that the and all this other stuff, we we seem to not be too concerned about the women of Afghanistan anymore. And so, you know, they took the time to be reflective to make sure that they wouldn't make the mistake again. And they came back and said, yep, that was Trump's fault. Now, I don't know why they needed two full years to realize it was Donald Trump's fault, because usually when it's Donald Trump's fault, I mean, that's super obvious. I mean, what a great job in government. You get to sit down and do a three-year review. You get paid for it and you're like, yep, Donald Trump. That's what happened. All right. What else we got here? How China brought peace to the Middle East. That's a fun one. We're gonna, That's going to be the first topic when we get into the real stuff. The Jewish women, German conglomerates hire to ruin your beer. And then lastly, does the Lami, does the Dalai Lama like sucking the tongues not on little boys? And will the church be responding, hey, kid touching is supposed to be our thing? Hey, you got to think about it. You know, maybe you and I, we're spiritually uh, deficient because we're not attracted to kids. I mean, if you look at how many of these world leaders, people in power and spiritual leaders are getting life force from being with little boys. Maybe there's something that you and I don't know. Maybe those Greek philosophers, when they were writing in their Plato's, their Republics, and their this and their that, they had another book called How to Be Super Smart and Successful in Life, and that one's not published. You, you can't get your hands on that book. But what do these spiritual leaders know that we don't? Uh, you think this is the end of the Dalai Lama? I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that was basically a Biden moment. Maybe that's where he learned it from. Maybe the Dalai Lama went on some sprint and Biden's just like, you want to be youthful. You got to sniff some kids. And then he took it too far where he's like, Hey little boy, you want to put your tongue in my mouth? I mean, even as an adult having consensual relationship, when was the last time you just full sucked on someone's tongue? Oh, God bless. All right. What else we got here? This might be the last episode before we're canceled, but it's okay. Cause I wanted to move on to my next project, which was, uh, my retirement fund of teaching old people uh, how to be better at doing nothing. Here we go. This is the funniest thing that's ever happened. I know you don't realize how funny it is, but this is the funniest thing that's ever happened. There's nothing in the history of the world that's ever been funnier than China going to broker peace in the Middle East as a fuck you to America. It's funny. I mean, of all the things you could do to get back at us, to say, hey, you know, because here's what happened. We've been loaning all this money to America all these years, and then we turn around and we vote in a guy with dementia who then do us to start a war. And and, and, and this is the stupidity because I said this from the beginning. Go back. Go watch the part of the problems. Go watch the run your mouth. I get it. I shout a lot of stupid horse shit. Most of it doesn't come true. But there's some gems in there. And amongst the, de- the gems and the turds that I shout out, when we were first doing the sanctions on these other countries with Russia and the people were going to, I was like, this makes no fucking sense. If the game we're playing is that we need everyone to be using our dollar in order that we can endlessly fund saying, hey, you guys want free shit and we can keep sending the inflation over to the other countries, have it sitting on everyone's balance sheets, endless demand for the dollar, keep the low interest rates. I was like, you need people using the dollar. And what are you going to do if you kick everyone out of the dollar system? You're going to end up with competing products. And people said, hey, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't understand currencies. And they're still saying that, you know, that, that this is bogus talk and don't worry, the United States dollar is the benchmark and it's going to stay fine. And then other people come around and they're going, well, this is going to be the opportunity for Bitcoin. When all of a sudden every single country goes with their central bank digital currency and you're hungry for cake, but you've already used your cake and electricity allotment, you're going to have no choice but to transact in Bitcoin. Hey, listen, any of these are possibilities. 
I just wanted to take another moment to celebrate the rightness I had of saying, hey, this fucking sanction thing is going to be stupid when people start transacting other currencies. How bad that's going to go? I don't know. I can't tell you. But anyways, isn't it great that China and, and we're over here. We keep saying, firstly, we keep trying to pretend like we're trying to make peace in the Middle East. And then we keep trying to pretend like we care about other people. And then China just makes two phone calls. They're like, hey, listen, just to piss them off. You guys want to just get along for a little while? Cool. And can we quit starving the people in Yemen? And they're like, yeah, all right. You know what? That sounds like fun. I mean, for all the time that America spent over there pretending like we were being priests to the, to, to the entire area and that China was the worst thing that ever happened to the world, all it took was one call from Z. And everyone's like, yeah, all right, yeah, I guess Saudi Arabia, you want to get along with Iran? They're like, yeah, I can get along with Iran. You, and you'll quit killing the Yemen's like, sure, we'll quit killing them. Now, I ain't saying China's good. I ain't saying they don't do weird things. I ain't saying that they ain't got concentration camps with Uyghur Muslims. I don't know what's going on over there. I'm just saying it's pretty, it, like, of all the things to get back at us, like going into Taiwan and then taking all the microchips, that we, you know, because that's the, that's the real problem with all this environmentalism is that we pretend, oh, uh, we, we got to protect the environment. But then, you know, China and India, they just get to produce this shit for cheap because they don't care about the environment. So we basically just seed everything to them so that we got to buy it from them. It seems like we did the exact same thing in microchips, that the microchips with the silicon, whatever, it's terrible for the environment. So we go, hey, that's rotten. You can't do it, but we can still buy it from them. We just can't do it over here, but as long as they do it over there and we have nothing to do with it, but then we just purchase it and use the technology all the same as if we had just done it over here, then that's fine. Uh, so anyways, you know, that's why we can't have China be taking Taiwan, but it looks like it's right there. I mean, as far as I can tell, it looks like it's a part of China. Uh, so anyways, let's just recap. There's no endorsement of China over here. I'm not against the United States of America. I'm not saying either side is good and moral. What I am saying is Biden might be the dumbest human being that's ever lived. What I am saying is they're a fucking deep state that pushes wars for their own personal profits in this Ukraine thing. They overplayed their hands and that was stupid. And I am saying that because we're always trying to pretend like, oh, we're the moral ones. It's kind of funny for China to get back to us by brokering peace in the Middle East. And then uh, also helping out the people of Yemen. It's just the most hilarious way to get back at us. Like, you would think going into Taiwan and taking Taiwan, which they still might do before the next election, would be funny. But that's not that funny because you got to fight people. You got to pretend like wars are going to happen. And South Korea freaks out. That's not that funny. Peace in the Middle East. China all of a sudden just, like, doing really nice things for people. It's kind of funny. All right. Let's keep going. Yemen ceasefire talks move forward. Oh, I didn't even read the, uh, I forget that 90% of the audience just listens and they don't look at these articles. This was speed reads. Iran and Saudi Arabia agree to reopen embassies, resume flights in China, broker thaw. The foreign minister of Saudi Arabia and Iran met in Beijing on Thursday and agreed to restore flights between the two longtime Middle East rivals, resume bilateral government and business visits and begin preparations for reopening embassies and consulates in each other's countries for the first time since 2016, according to joint statement. All right, and now this is from the uh, Wall Street Journal. Yemen ceasefire talks move forward. Second paragraph, Saudi Arabia and the Houthis have been in direct talk for months, but the prospect of emming, ending Yemen's seemingly uh, intractable conflict has advanced quickly since last month when China brokered a detente. They're using a lot of words I don't know. Ever hear of a detente before? It sounds like a dentist thing. I don't know. Between Saudi Arabia and Iran. Biden's still going to be, hey, you guys, you guys all know I did it. It was me. I just turned him into Fauci. Uh, all right, next story. 
which basically got non-coverage. Sometimes you get coverage, which is just spin and non-coverage. So apparently there was this giant leak of Pentagon Papers that had been swirling around on Discord for a while. You guys like the Discord? Should we start a run-your-mouth Discord? Where should we go so I can start charging people money so that I can, uh, uh, so that, uh, by the way, talk about ADD. We need a Kratom-up episode. We can do a Kratom episode. It's not, Kratom's not that druggy. It's not like you're going to be, I mean, you take one, you just got good energy, you're nice and focused. Not that you can say those things, but you know, you'll create them. Home the $6 kilo. And today's episode was brought to you by YoDelta.com. Use promo code RYM and get yourself 20% off. I will, I'll make good on that, Rogel. No problem. We can do a Kratom episode. No big deal. Uh, it might just be more focused. You might be like, what happened to all the ADD tangents of taking random uh, comments from the chat for no reason? All right. Back to focus. We're getting back to what I was talking about. So you have these Pentagon leaks, Discord channels, swirling around the internet, goes onto the Telegram, and uh, basically the news comes out and they goes, oh my God, there's all these papers of information from the Pentagon about the Ukraine war, but then they don't really even tell you what's in the papers. They, they give you the short. They go, well, essentially here, I'll just let you guys know. So in total, just over 50 documents with secret and top secret classification markings have surfaced so far. And it, it everyone's just like, yeah, we're losing. It's like while they're on the news going, hey, everything's fine. Russian casualties, everything's going great behind the scenes. Like, uh, we're running out of ammunitions. And does Biden have dementia? Because this isn't going well. So they kept telling us, hey, going great. Hey, support Ukraine. They can win this fight. They just need our support. And then behind the closed doors, they're like, that thing's not going too good over here. That was literally the language of it's a top secret. Things not going too good over here. End of transmission. Uh, so basically, this is, this is the way the news works now. They let you know an incident happened. And then they report around the information without actually giving you the information. So this was the day it came out. This was from... Uh, which I think maybe was Friday, because Saturday, Sunday, I didn't really do anything. Washington Post. In some cases, it appears that the slides were manipulated. For instance, one image features combat casualty data suggesting the number of Russian soldiers killed in the war is far below what the Pentagon has publicly assessed. That just sounds like accurate information. Like, what, what, what about, of all the slides to be manipulated... Why do you think that they would be manipulating that one? And what, 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 what information, like, firstly, you're not showing me the slide. You're not even telling me what about it suggests to you that it's false. Another version of the image showed higher Russian casualty figures. Great. Okay. I guess maybe they did. Maybe I needed to read one more sentence. Besides the information on casualties that appeared to be manipulated to benefit the Russian government, U.S. officials who spoke to the Post said many of the leaked documents did not appear to be forged and look consistent in format with CIA World Intelligence Review reports distributed at high levels within the White House, Pentagon, and the State Department. The, feast, the, the leak first reported Thursday by the New York Times coincides with an expansive effort by the United States and NATO to arm and train Ukrainian used units for an anticipated push this spring to reclaim Russian-occupied territory in the east and the south. If anything, I think we leaked this to go, ah, we were going to win, but then they leaked the thing, and so now they know our plans, which are not good. And so uh, we have to... Oh, excuse me, I'm about to sneeze. You ready? It's going to be coming. <sighs> oh... I think, man, I lost a perfectly good sneeze. I tried to dramatize my sneeze, and then it disappeared. Sorry, it's an AIDS flare-up. You know, you can only have COVID so many times before the AIDS comes back. 
Uh, all right, so moving on from the non-coverage, maybe more stuff will come out. I wasn't even able to find all the uh, leaked documents. Maybe I got to go onto the telegrams again into my uh, pro-Russian support groups that actually give you good information. Because remember, we're Russian-backed, 100% most accurate news broadcast that ever existed in human history. Uh, here we go, New York Post. Dylan Mulvaney hits back at haters with Defiance Song, and that will show them. If, they, if you wanted to get men out there who loved Bud Light to better understand your situation, a good song, that's the way to win them over. Can you imagine if it was like that scene when, uh, uh, in, uh, what's called, in uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where Mac finally came out of the closet and he does the, 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 the dance in the prison, and even his own dad goes, I get it now. Can you imagine if they played the Dylan Mulvaney song in bars and everyone just had a tear in their eye and they went, I'm going to hug my gay child and tell them that they should change genders? Because that, that's the way to win people over. When If people don't quite understand where you're coming from, a good Broadway show tune that emotes your feelings in a highly expressive way, and that's what I would do in school. Sometimes, like if I got sent to the principal, I'd be like, you, don't, you just don't understand. You just don't understand, principal. I'm just trying to learn in my own special way. And then I would I would break into a show tune and, stole, and slowly strip. That, that's the way to get yourself out of trouble. If you slowly strip in front of a principal and then he starts yelling at you and then you start yelling back, why away, can I get my clothes back, principal? D- teach that to a seven-year-old. <laughs> okay, uh, listen, aside from my investment product that I uh, mentioned earlier, which is going to be my clinic to help uh, retired men be better at uh, doing nothing, I might be able to help women. May, might be able to. I'm not sure, though. Uh, but anyways, I got another one. It's going to be the Dylan Mulvaney Ultra Short. It's a derivative product that shorts companies that uh, she slash he slash, you know, whatever whatever he's advertising. Nike backs Dylan Mulvaney. We ultra short. And we got to get in early. Maybe we can even find out. Here's the way we get the insider information. Not that you can trade off of insider information, but if maybe you can find out which marketing companies are in talks with Dylan Mulvaney, we can get ahead of it, short that shit. The Dylan Mulvaney Ultra Short. Uh, I'm going to come out ahead of this thing, because in a minute, I'm going to go ahead and defend the, 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 the actions of Bud Light and their support of Dylan Mulvaney. But I'm going to say, isn't it going to be amazing if he just turns out to have been an Andy Kaufman character? This was like the women wrestling the entire time. He was just trying to get a rise out of all of us, and boy, did he. Or wouldn't it be funny if, like, this runs its course and it's no longer getting attention and then he just goes the other way and goes, I'm going back. And then it's 365 days back to manhood. Maybe he starts hanging out with Liver King, just doing all the testosterone, and then he goes, I'm going to be a guy now. I'm a man. Oh, look at me. I eat ribs all day. That'll be the... uh, 365 days back to being a dude. And in defense of uh, Dylan Mulvaney, before we pass judgment here, I just want to point out he wasn't that good at being a dude. I don't think that this was right for him. Like, I'm not saying that the dude thing is necessarily working or right. Does this look right to you either? I mean, does that look like that's what you're supposed to... I'm just... I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say that if there were supposed to be categories for human beings, this is one individual that should have their own category. Um, I'm just trying to put the way they defense of Dylan Mulvaney. I'm just saying, I don't know if this guy really works. Uh, for those of you who are listening to the show, uh, you've 
lot of uh, tap dancing. I, I guess he's a good tap dancer. And then uh, here's another one, which is before he started his uh, documentation of 365 days to become a lady. Which is that? Is that all it takes? Can someone? Is someone going to be able to break the Dylan Mulvaney record? Do we have a Guinness Book going? I mean, why do you need? If you if you've always been a girl your entire life, why do you need 365 days in order to get to that achievement? Shouldn't you just be able to flip a light switch, have your dick removed, and just be a lady? Okay, but I noticed that uh, Dylan Mulvaney he only has a few moves because even when he was a dude, he was basically do pulling pulling these moves. Uh, here we can give it a watch. So this was him. He was on the you Price is Right. Yeah, you get to spin the talking about how what? fabulous everything is. Talking about how excited he is. Oh my god! Oh my god! So you know, two prices. Can you imagine if this is the way his parents act too? If he went over to the Mavini household and they're actually just exactly like him. Just everything they open. Oh my god! You're here! We're so excited! We're gonna have lunch! Oh, we put out cakes! I'm gonna say the soup. Soup. I would advise that he should probably save a little bit of the joy and excitement. You know what I mean? You don't want to run out of all your joy and excitement this early in life. You're still a young man. Trust me, I'm opening up a clinic for retirees on how to be good at doing nothing. And I, I just feel like if you're working this hard to express joy all the time, you might get to a point where you've run out of all the joy. In, uh, in response to, uh, by the way, I did a great episode of Lions of Liberty where we were playing some of this stuff. Um, maybe we'll do some hate watches down the line. I was enjoying those. Those were a good time on Sunday. You guys can go check that out because we did a whole long segment on it. Uh, and, uh, first is, well, I, I, if anyone works in the whiskey business, I want to start white labeling a product, just call it fairy juice. It'll be like a really high bourbon, a high octane whiskey. So delicious. It will turn you gay. So take a stiff one in the mouth. Rob's freedom loving fairy juice. Anyone, anyone work in the liquor industry? Want to help me put out Rob's freedom-loving fairy juice? And and we'll, uh, we'll only sponsor the most manly of things with the gayest of labels. Tower Gang people, you want to get in on this with me? Rob's freedom-loving fairy juice. Bourbon so delicious it will turn you gay. And you'll feel good about your decision. Go home, tell your parents you're a lady. Uh, Alright, so in defense of uh, Bud Light's actions, at first when I saw this, I was like the rest of you. I was like, I don't even drink Bud Light, but how dare they? How dare how dare they uh um uh how dare they ruin something that I've never consumed and don't care about and judge other people for consuming. If you're like a Bud Light bro, don't think I never judged you. Of course I judged you. But even so, how dare they ruin something that I judge people for consuming? So with that being said, at first, I thought, well, hey, may maybe they weren't really trying to make a Dylan Mulvaney statement. Maybe, and, and, and then, like, what they were trying to do was just have Dylan Mulvaney advertise to his audience, and then the people in his audience go, oh, look, Bud Light actually supports us. The same way you could take no, do no gay advertising whatsoever, but then you can go to, into a gay bar, you can put up, like, a Coors Light supports the queers poster, and then the people in the gay bar go, oh, look, Bud Light's our brand. And then hopefully no one in the South ever knows that you put up that poster in that bar. At some point, that's kind of good advertising where you pretend to each segment of the population that you're their thing. If anything, it would actually be better if maybe we broke up these giant conglomerates and then you actually had smaller niche brands that actually were for particular communities and actually sponsored the content that those communities liked. You can have direct relationships with the brands, kind of the way Yo Kratom, Yo Delta, Sheath, the advertisers over here work. 
instead of a giant Hanes, instead of the the, the Kratom uh, Tylenol pill that would never work with the advertisers like here, you get good products that you guys know and love with sponsors that will support the content that you guys like, and it's nice relay. So maybe like even in the liquor and beer industries, we'll break them up because these brands can't get away with uh, pretending that they're uh, trans friendly to the people that like that and then pretend like they're you know, beer and uh, and football friendly to another audience. But I thought maybe strategically they weren't trying to shun, you know, an entire audience of people, like the entire fan base of frat people, your football people, your dudes. Of the, like, it's not that Budweiser was saying, hey, we don't like this culture anymore. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start backing other content and we're going to cultivate a different audience and everyone who's been into this brand for the last 60 years that's living just a traditional, hey, I want to get hammered on Sunday and watch a football game lifestyle, they weren't trying to shun you. They weren't saying that they don't want your business anymore. That's not what they were saying. Uh, but it turns out I was wrong because they found the Jew broad that's leading this company. And uh, here's what she had to say. This was, uh, I believe, a couple days before this campaign went live. Uh, and so, you know, we, we can hear directly exactly what their marketing strategy was. Here, let's give it a listen. Well, I'm a businesswoman. I had a really clear job to do when yeah. I took over Bud Light. And it was, this brand is in decline. It's been in decline for a really long time. And if we do not attract young drinkers to come and drink this brand, there will be no future for Bud Light. So I had this super clear mandate. It's like, we mm -hmm. need to evolve and elevate this incredibly iconic brand. And my what I brought to that was a belief in, okay, what is what do what does evolve and elevate mean? It means inclusivity. It means shifting the tone. It means having a campaign that's truly inclusive and feels lighter and brighter and different and appeals to women and to men. Mm -hmm. And representation is at sort of the heart of evolution. You've got to see people who reflect you in the work. And we had this hangover. I mean. Bud Light had been kind of a brand of fratty, kind of out of touch humor. And it was really important <laughs> that we had another approach. This lady went to Harvard, by the way. This lady is not dumb. So who hires this person who is so, so well-spoken and hates you? This lady hates you. She hates me. She literally got this job so that she could try and change the world and get rid of the Bud Light that supported college people that went to a football game and drank and instead thought that she could impose on to you her worldview that if Bud Light just supports transgender and changing ladies and goes absolutely woke, the rest of us will fall in line because they'll see that even our beer brand is policing our behavior and saying that this is what the world should look like. Isn't that incredible? Harvard degree, you would think, if anything, you'd go, where's my core audience? Am I spending enough money that I can keep them? And in the beginning of this, I'd love to see the person that gave her the mandate saying that Bud Light was a dying brand because uh, only a couple Google searches when I was looking into this, from what I understand, Bud Light is one of the uh, biggest beer brands in America. Uh, I actually think they've had a pretty good run at it. It's surprising to me. I don't like, but I don't, I don't like light beer. Never liked Bud Light. A couple times I, I've drinking a Bud Light. I don't know. High school we used to drink Coors Light when we were drinking light beers, so that's just kind of stuck with me. Um, I do find oh, beer, I'm a business with the exception of like the uh, IPAs 
are a little bit like cigarette brands that you just kind of find of like the shitty beers. Whatever shitty beer you found in high school, you just tend to stick with it unless somebody like introduces you to a different shitty beer and you switch over. But like if you're a Heineken person, you're kind of just a Heineken person, which has like that like green skunkiness. Corona's got a lighter version of that. And then the American lagers kind of like I drink. I've drinking Budweiser since high. It's not that it's good. It's just what you start on. It just kind of becomes your brand. But she was making claims that uh, the, 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 the brand was dying. And so the Daily Mail, who covered the story, let's see what they said. Although Hennerscheid, I don't know how that name is pronounced, and I'm Jewish. I can't tell if that name is Jewish or German. Maybe it's both. Uh, says the Bud Light brand is on the wane. It remains the flagship beer of parent company Anheuser-Busch InBev. The Belgian multinational, the world's largest brewer, saw its profit rise above expectations to more than 7% in the last quarter of 2023. It reported last month its core profit earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and uh, whatever was $4.95 billion. Hedershaw previously worked as a marketing guru at AB InBev before moving to take the helm as Bud Life's vice president in July last year. Can you imagine? Because, like, I find in marketing meetings, people are always like, what's working? I don't want new ideas. Give me more of what's working. Well, why don't we test something different? No, we don't want to test anything different. I once tried selling Black Captain uh, twice. I actually, uh, twice. That was gross. I'm sorry that you guys had to listen to that. I was debating whether or not to go get a tissue. And then I was like, maybe I can just uh, snort it all down. And you guys had to listen to that. If you're not sure what you just heard and whether or not to be disgusted, I'm letting you know that that was disgusting. And I was holding a shotgun mic right to my nostrils. And I hope you heard it and that you're thoroughly disgusted and that some of you actually stopped listening to the show. Or maybe envision that I just did a big ass line in front of you and then I'm secretly super cool. Go with that. Go with that. Because some of you just listening to the show. So for the people listening to the show, just imagine that I'm super cool and that for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to have even more energy than I did earlier in the episode, and it's going to be a lot more focused. All right. Anyways, trying to talk about something to do with this lady. Oh, yeah. This is what's astonishing to me. I literally work in sales. I work in marketing. And let me tell you, I once had, I, I, yeah, this was the conversation. I had a conversation with a uh, higher up with budget. And they were uninterested in uh, Black Captain because all the research that they had was that, you know, they mostly have women and they're interested in these crime dramas. So why don't you come back to us with the crime drama? And then, you know, I was trying to say, well, have you guys tried anything in this category? Well, do you sometimes see that there's profits when you're first? I mean, look at how well some of these uh, dark and adult cartoons are doing on all the other platforms. At some point, somebody tried Deadpool at some point, somebody tried Peacemaker. They didn't want to hear it. Not for nothing. So it's just, it's even odd to me that you could show up and go to the Bud Light people at Anheuser-Busch and sell them on the idea that what we're not doing is working with enough trans people. What we're not doing is, is celebrating this moment of men becoming women and taking their sponsorship dollars, opportunities, and uh, opportunities in athletics and encouraging kids to make life-altering changes with no evidence. That, that's what we're not doing. If we want to sell more beer, like, let's, go, let's poll 90% of the people that consume our product and ask them if they agree with this worldview, and then let's start creating marketing that doesn't fall into the worldview of our core consumer base. How do you show up and sell this to a team? God bless. What you guys just witnessed was the greatest sales lady of all time. All right, let's keep going. So there were three articles, 
And uh, I was planning on reading all of them to you. And normally I don't read full articles on the show. But I was like, these articles are just too good. But then I found out that on this computer it wasn't paywalled. Um, so I'm going to give you guys the, the short on all three. Uh, oh, one of them I think I actually had up, which was a uh, New York Post article. Um, oh, well, this one, it, it, it's basically all in the headline. Um, which even the headline we can't see. Uh, but it was EPA is said to propose rules meant to, and then I think it was, uh, reduce, um, auto emissions by like 80% or get it all electric. And you guys should go look up the article because it's exactly what I've been saying to you guys for a couple years. This ESG score, it's like a different version of insider trading where you make investments in things that possibly couldn't be profitable in the market because you're gambling on the fact that you've got the inside track of that new laws are going to come in that are going to make devices that have worked for our entire lives. Your gas combustible engine, your car that you've had for 15 years, you just put $2,000, $3,000 into the engine. You're hoping it might make it to 200,000 miles. Well, guess what? The government might legislate that you're not allowed to have that. And then we might also have an electric grid that actually can't use everyone. The electricity becomes too expensive. Most of us can't own cars. And now your life is Uber. Hey, you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. Remember that line? But here, here it is. It's, are, are they going to be able to create new laws that will regulate perfectly good products that were the best options, created the most value, were my cheapest option from getting to point A to point B, having food in my belly, having lights on, having heat? Are they going to create new rules and legislation that gets rid of those and then suddenly all these investments in your green energy bullshit are profitable just because they're robbing from you? They're robbing from you because you could have just bought a different product for less money that worked better. But now they're forcing you to purchase this other shittier product through government force. And so here, here you go. All these EV things that never would have made any sense, no one would have liked, the grid doesn't support. Well, if this goes through, you're not going to have a choice. We're all, we're all going to be spending hours on the road. You know what? Maybe it will lead to a better glory hole world lifestyle. We're all stuck at truck stops all the time. Start investing in truck stops now. Wherever these EV charging stations are, you know what? Guys, full 180 here. Forget my fairy juice whiskey. Forget my, uh, my, my home for old people. Or forget becoming the government person who just gets to spend months working on a report to come back and go, yep, that's Trump's fault. Forget all that. None of those were good ideas. The place to invest is in glory holes that will go next to these charging machines because people are going to be spending hours in line just so that they can charge their cars and get a couple hundred thousand miles down the road. You know what? You fucking recreational weed. You, you got to start You just start doing recreational weed charging station glory hole shops. And maybe I'll open up comedy clubs next to these charging stations. People are just going to be stuck there. They're going to be stuck there. Our entire lives are going to be stuck at fucking charging stations yelling at some Uber driver who didn't even realize that his car was uncharged. That That's going to be the life we're all living. Remember everyone, remember how do you, like, how good do you think our parents actually had it? Our grandparents were like, back in my day, you know what I mean? Because I wasn't there. Maybe, maybe it was that much better. All right. Now we've got the inside woke scoring system. This is from the New York Post. Uh, the last article headline that I couldn't even read was from the New York Times. This one's from the New York Post. Inside the CI system pushing brands to endorse celebs like Dylan Mulvaney. 
Executives at companies like Nike, Anheuser-Busch, and Kate Spade, whose brand endorsements have turned controversial trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney into today's woke it girl aren't just virtue signaling. They're handing out lucrative deals to what were once considered fringe celebrities because they have to or risk failing an all-important social credit score that could make or break their businesses. At stakes is their corporate equity index, or CEI score, which is overseen by the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBTQ plus political lobbying group in the world. HRC, which has received millions from George Soros Open Society Foundation, among others, issues report cards for America's biggest companies via the CEI, awarding or subtracting points for how well companies adhere to what HRC calls its rating criteria. Businesses that attain the maximum 100 total points earn the coveted title Best Place to Work for LGBTQ Equality. 15 of the top 20 fortune-ranked companies received 100% ratings last year. More than 840 companies ranked up high CIE scores, according to the latest report. The HRC, which was formed in 1980 and started the CI in 20, 2002, is led by Kaylee Robinson, who was named as president in 2022 and worked as political organizer for Barack Obama's presidential campaign in 2008. So here, let's just take a look at the woke rating. What constitutes a woke rating? Advocacy group Human Rights Campaign introduced the 100-point corporate equality index to uh, score companies on their inclusiveness. Workforce protections, five points. Inclusive benefits, 50 points possible. Support and inclusive culture, 25 points possible. Corporate social responsibility, 20 points possible, blah, blah, blah. So essentially, if you want to stay in the good graces of investors like BlackRock, George Soros, and this is what I've been talking about. I've been talking about this. This is socialism. It's not about advertising. It's not about getting people to want your product. It's not about the marketing. It's not about people actually having a product of value. It's just socialism and being in line. And what I mean by in line, it's in line with what, you know, government policies and where all this money is swirling around to. And so sometimes the easiest way to prove your allegiance is, well, you got Dylan and he's popular. So I'll just go spend some money with that guy. It's like the same way you would, uh, I don't know, you're paying any organization for a stamp of approval. All right. And now this one is even more important than the last two articles that I just mentioned. Um, it, this is from today's Wall Street Journal. We're going to read, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to read a nice chunk of it. Uh, you can go look up the article. It's called The Fed Climate Studies Are Full of Hot Air. And this is the same general concept of ESG scores and policies being instituted that are going to rob you. And they're going to rob you because they're going to drive up the price on simple consumables like your food, like your energy. All right, let's just give it a read. The Fed's climate studies are full of hot air by David Baker. The Federal Reserve's credibility is in tatters. It predicted low inflation through 2021, even as the money supply exploded and higher inflation followed. To catch up, it quickly raised interest rates, stressing many banks, and the Fed examiners failed to act before depositors noticed that Silicon Valley Bank was insolvent. The result was bank runs and panic. But instead of lowering inflation, preventing recessions, many of the Fed's 400 economists are busy fighting climate change. Example of climate activism abound. This year, the Fed is forcing big banks to produce complex reports on their climate vulnerability in a pilot project. 
that is sure to expand and might lead to leading restrictions. A query of the Fed's listing of recent publications returns hundreds of research papers, press releases, and policy statements related to climate change. The San Francisco Fed hosted a conference on climate change in May in which 27 Fed economists participated. So this already goes back a couple years where they talked about, forget the dual mandate of uh, employment versus inflation. It's got to be employment versus inflation versus climate stuff. And then there was also some rule, I think, passed where they were looking to pass it of uh, companies needing to like self-report along the lines of the ESG stuff. And then also they changed the laws uh, where you're allowed to invest on an ESG basis. It's not just the profits. It's also whether or not things are good for the environment, because when you see your pension fund and you put your money in there, it's not that you've worked your whole life and you just want to make sure you're getting a return. It's OK if the guy loses your money as long as it was losses that were, you know, environmentally responsible. All right, let's continue. With all this effort, one might hope the Fed would produce high-quality research on climate change. But I took a close look at two Fed studies on the subject and found shockingly poor analysis. These studies on the effect of temperature on U.S. and world economic growth are cited without a hint of skepticism and widely lavished with media attention. I've managed to debunk both. In the September issue of Econ Journal Watch, I discredited a paper from Richmond Fed claiming that warning reduces economic growth in the U.S. I showed the paper had serious problems with its statistical reasoning and robustness. My analysis concluded that the data used in the paper show mean, no meaningful relationship between temperatures and growth. So before we get to the fact that the Fed is creating fake articles to pretend like global warming is affecting growth, I'll post it to you. Brilliant listeners, the Run Your Mouth podcast. Why do you think the Fed would want to produce studies saying that economic that uh, saying that global warming is affecting economic growth? Well, because if it does, I guess it can enact policies that might get in the way of global warming, right? They might say, "Hey, that combustion engine, that electric—I mean, that gas stove you got, that that oil heater you have, whatever the thing you have—even if it seems temporarily like it's good for the economy." It's pushing global warming, and global warming is actually against economic growth. So when people like me are going, hey, if we can just consume and inventions will come down the line and we'll solve this, economic growth is the solution. Well, the Fed is now putting forward that actually uh, that, th that model won't work because the warming actually slows down economic growth. And then this guy will tell you how he debunked it. Let's continue. More recently, I published a critique. Oh, that's uh, from the. Sorry. More recently, I published a critique of a study from the Federal Reserve Board claiming that a year above normal temperatures in countries around the world makes economic contraction more likely. The original study used sophisticated statistical techniques but failed to report that its primary finding was statistically insignificant. My request to the study's author for computer code to reproduce the paper's result went unanswered. I managed to write the code from scratch and exactly replicate the results, allowing me to run additional tests that the author didn't report. The author's primary result, the temperature has a bigger effect in the bad than in good economic times, turned out to be significant, statistically insignificant. Additional analysis showed that there is no reliable effect to, of temperature on growth at all. There are two main reasons why the Fed study appeared at first to show a statistically significant effect of temperatures on economic growth. First, each country in the sample had equal weight in the analysis. China had the same weight in St. Vincent's, uh, though China's population is 13 times as large. Equal weighting means that some small countries with unusual histories of economic growth 
uh, greatly influence the results. I just want to take a break here because this is always like the bullshit, even like with all these models, is that firstly, they make like these big, broad assumptions. They can never be reproduced. And uh, you want to talk about government leaders making decisions based off of models. How did that happen? How did that work out for us at the beginning of uh, COVID? You had that guy uh, whose name I can't remember. You got to go back to the first run your mouth end of your recap where we talked about that scientist out in the UK who got uh, – his economic models in the past got both um, mad cow disease wrong, it got swine flu wrong, it got everything wrong, but he came up with that model that said, hey, everyone's going to die and so they shut down the uh, the entire world. They, 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 these are the models that they work with. They, they, just, they run these models and they go, oh, everyone's got to be super afraid because of our models. And then, like here, you got a guy who's just going, yep, your model wasn't even right. The paper's results disappeared when countries like Rwanda and Ecuador and Guinea, which had economic catastrophes and bananas unrelated to climate change, were omitted, omitting similar countries representing less than 1% of the world. Um, all right, let's just uh, skip forward and read this last paragraph from here. There's a second reason why the Fed study appears to find uh, the temperatures affects growth. Many poor countries have warm climates. You guys can go read this on your own time. Uh, that's the gist of it. I was just more interested in the fact that the Fed is trying to prepare studies to suggest that uh, that I, I, that economic growth is being uh, hampered by global warming, which would then allow them to potentially institute policies or other guidance um, that even if it was bad for economic growth, cost people jobs, got rid of employment, maybe even caused inflation, you know, they would go, yeah, but against our model of what would happen if we continue to have global warming, look at how much things would be worse. And just in case you thought that there was anything that wasn't the result of global warming, this is how tangible global warming is. Baseball may see more home runs thanks to climate change. That's how sure everyone is of climate change. Like if you were somewhat unsure, you didn't know, just know that even there's even more home runs in baseball now because they like any anything if if you've had a job and they want you to publish a report on why Bud Light has less sales. It, it's just it's climate change. Bad sales quarter, gay thoughts, cheating. It's just it's all global warming. You can attribute anything to it. Um Biden's plans, I'm tiring out here. Uh we'll do one more story or two more. Yeah, we'll do two more stories. We'll call it a day. Before we do, let's take a moment and uh, shout some things out. Some report store coming at you every Wednesday. Cafe Bohemia, come hang out, 8 p.m. Got a different lineup of comics working on some new material. This weekend, I will be in Albany. Later this month, I believe it's the 21st or 22nd, I got to get the date up on RobbieTheFire.com, doing a gig in Orlando for the uh, the Meatcocks down there, the Libertarians down there. I, I didn't get the full details, but I'm looking forward to doing that show uh, I think that's all that stuff. Support the sponsors. You got Sheath. Put your dick and balls in separate compartments. Keep them separated. Cool, calm, and collected. Use promo code RYM. And get yourself 20% off. You get yourself your Deltas, and you can start figuring out how to sit on a couch, eat some gummies if you're over the age of 21, getting high, and enjoying yourself for a long weekend. Laugh at some Beavis and Butthead. Um... Biden plans allows limit on trans athlete participation in school sports. I read the article. Uh, the new policy is just as long as they're not good, as long as they're not winning, you can pretend to be a guy or a lady and play sports. It's just you, you can't be good at it. They acknowledge it's not fair. If you're good, it's not fair. But like if it doesn't affect anyone else and you're not injuring other players because you're that much better at them, 
Uh, so if it makes you feel better about pretending to be the other thing, you can do it just as long as you're not good at it. Because if you're good at it, then we admit it's not fair. If we're all just LARPing and pretending and no one, there's no ill consequences other than, you know, you figuring out you made a mistake after you go through puberty, then everyone should play along. That's the way it should work. Everyone should play along, even though it's not true. And if you're actually better at the sport and it made a difference, then yeah, we can't let you do it because we all acknowledge that this doesn't make any sense. But if you're not good at the sport, then, you know, we can all make, we can all make pretend. And then here, I want to support this policy. The New York Post was getting upset that some New York City restaurants are imposing a 90-minute time limit on diners. I love that. Put the fucking shot clock on. Make it an hour. Make the restaurant run faster. Well, have you ever been at a meal past 90 minutes and you still wanted to sit at that restaurant? That either means you're an alcoholic getting too sloshed on wine. You're too much of a fat fuck that you just like sitting in a seat or you're really just like chatting and talking to people. I mean, I say that as I just ranted at you guys for a full hour straight. But I, I, I prepare my thoughts. If I went to dinner with someone who is as prepared for conversation as I am for this episode, I might enjoy dinner with that guy. If some guy sat down and goes, hey, you read these articles about how the government is instituting policies that are going to rob you of your wealth, make sure that you don't have energy or electricity, I would probably listen to that guy. I'd be like, okay, we're only allowed to be here for uh, for uh, for an hour um, because that's the restaurant rules. But go. I'm listening. Talk to me, buddy. All right, that's our episode. Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, back probably Wednesday. Got to track down Robert. I also have uh, I got to I got to get in touch with uh, uh, we got a guest coming on, running for city council in New York, who's got some of the more direct story of the laws being instituted in New York to try and push this push this ESG anti-electricity convert your home to electricity. No more gas stove bullshit. So we're going to get some of the actual uh, practical application of how they're trying to institute policies to make uh, bad profit, bad products profitable. Remember, elites don't want to compete. Nice and simple tagline version of it. All right, let's take uh, let's take some random comments and call it a fix. Neil Ferguson is terribly wrong pandemic predictor that everyone listened to. That is accurate. That's the guy's name. Um, Amba Bamba, baseball may see more home runs due to HGH. That would make sense. Amba Bamba, once again, yeah, I'm in New York City. Come out, buddy. Come out. Or lady. I don't know what your gender is. I don't care. But come out. Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Um, open crypto. Anheuser Bush somehow found a way to make their corporate goy slop look even less enticing. All right, we'll take one more, and that's the end. Marion Brandon, Eric July just put out a really good video about Bud Light Marketing Lady. I will watch that. I want to do a series. I'm actually going to hit up Steven, see if maybe Steven, our resident non-scientist, wants to become the run-your-mouth research assistant. Because I want, I want to do a short series called The Deep State, where uh, we look at you know some of these people, like your Blinkens, just these idiots that are making all these decisions for us behind the scenes, or uh, myocarditis running the border. Like, did these guys ever do anything good in their entire careers? Like, these people, they get in front of us, and they feel like they should be making all the decisions, and we didn't even vote for them. Like, what are your credentials? I guess even, like, when you get these people from the revolving door, you know, that go from uh, working at Pfizer to the FDA, from the FDA back to Pfizer, you get your Polsons running the Treasury, going from Goldman Sachs. I guess at least there's a little bit of a claim there 
of, look, I'm an expert in my industry, and so I have knowledge of these products. I have knowledge of the way that they are being approved. I can actually coordinate because Pfizer, they're an honorable institution. I can actually coordinate with them to make sure that only their best work is coming, whatever fucking bullshit. At least, like, there's a claim there. But for some of these deep state people, do they even have a record of, like, what, what, what someone, the, the person calling the shots on Ukraine behind the scenes like a Blinken, both get Afghanistan and Iraq right? Well, that, that can't be the case. I mean, obviously that's not the case. We didn't get those right. Or was this the guy who on both of those said, hey, that's a bad idea, and they realized, oh, that's the guy who said that this was a bad idea. He's been right on the last two, but he's saying Ukraine's a good idea. All right, that's our episode. Thanks for hanging out back Wednesday with another one. I hope you enjoyed. Go read those articles that I mentioned. They're a worthwhile read. They are what we've been talking about for a while. Uh, With all that being said, for some reason, I just think if enough people like you and I are yelling about these things, they're not going to be instituted. You know what I mean? It's like like all of these new policies rely on a level of compliance that I just don't think they're going to get. Like, think about the, like what they're going to need. They're going to need to have the central bank digital currencies so that you can only actually use your money for certain, like, there's just enough of us that are going to be like, well, before I had an, I had a car and I was able to put oil in it and I was able just to drive. Like, there's enough of us that are still aware that the old system worked and that they're lying to us. And as long as we share this message with enough people, I don't think they're going to get away with it. That's my positive message to end the day. All right, well, let's take one more comment. This is like the female version of school shootings where they snap and vanish their entire career. I don't know what that means. Eric Adams is pushing for Pfizer to open uh, in New York City. Not sure of details, but sounds real bad. Fair enough. That's our show. Have a good one, everybody. Go make money.